0: Take ORFM Dunedin with you wherever you go, with podcasts and streaming of primo local content. Download the accessmedia.nz app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store.
1: This program was first broadcast on ORFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.
0: Welcome to Real-Time Resilience, coping during COVID-19 we join Dr. Denise Quinlan and Dr. Lucy Hone, co-directors of the New Zealand Institute of Wellbeing and Resilience, plus invited experts as they share tips to look after your mental health and wellbeing during this time.
1: Hello and welcome to Real Time Resilience. Today we're talking about why we need to cut people, young people some slack and the fact that their new normal is way out of whack. I'm Dr. Denise Quinlan and with me is Dr. Emma Woodward, from the Child Psychology Service and the New Zealand Institute of Wellbeing and Resilience. Welcome, Emma. How are you doing, Denise? Good. Now, I think really, given that you are the person with four children under 10, how are you doing?
0: We're doing all right. Um, I could turn it into a therapy session for me right now, but let's not. You know, let's take my experience, relate that to other people's experience, and let's be be truthful honest and factual about what's going on for people right now what might be going on for their kids and what we can do to make the most of the situation that we're in
1: and I think so Emma and I have been chatting through what are the kind of topics that we want to cover today and one of them is really that that the first thing is about um, sort yourself out as the as the adult in the situation what do we need to do to be the adults number two really acknowledging it's not normal and number three what are some strategies that might help yeah Yeah. so so emma um you you mentioned leaning in talk to me about what we can be doing as as caregivers and responsible adults it's like
0: leaning in i guess to me is about cultivating curiosity as to the intention behind your child's behavior and not being automatically irritated by what they do (laughs) Um, which is very easy when you're all in together you're all very close proximity and you're not getting as much time to yourself uh, to process things as they're going on and make sense of them so I think leaning in for me really is what was the intention behind that behavior what are you asking for what do you need and how can I provide that to you as your caregiver as your parent as your 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 key attachment figure what do I need to do for you right now to make you okay so we can be okay. Mm -hmm. And I guess the first step before that is that we need to be in our thinking brain so that we can have that conversation with ourselves and then with our child. Um, So it's always still about starting with yourself and making sure that you're okay to do that.
1: And what kind of things have been helping you to stay okay? So I think...
0: I think really trying to cultivate a sense of complete compassion for my children's worldview at the moment, trying to understand what sense they're making of it, what what is going on for them. Because we've been in a week now indoors, it's highly unusual for our family and many families around the world for a, a family of young children to be in for a week. It just is unheard of and so what sense are you making with the experience right now there's only so much we can do to keep you entertained you're going to be questioning and thinking and so why what can i do to understand your behaviors as a communication of your experience so we've had quite some random behavior from our kids over the last few days um, not least we went out for our gentle exercise and our seven-year-old fell off his scooter and bashed his face open and there was blood <laughs> and, uh, shouldn't and, and we had, no no I'm laughing now I wasn't at the time nor was anyone else um but it's just typical because he's very good on his scooter and that's why we let him take it out um but it was a real kind of focal point for us you know kind of we, we realized actually things were different. The, the the systems that are normally in place to make situations like that feel better were gone. we were more self-reliant. And so we used that when we came back home to talk about how are people feeling right now and what's going on for you and what did that feel like for you and try and really view the world and the experience through their eyes and I think once you start shifting your mind to what sense are they making of it rather than I'm feeling tired, I'm feeling irritated, I've had enough of you and it kind of focusing on your experience, it allows you to be the caregiver um, rather than, yeah, irritated by what's going on, I guess. Um, it reshifts your focus. If, you're, if you kind of approach your child as what do you need rather than, oh, my God, why are you doing that? it's a very different mindset shift about what behavior from you comes next, I think. And that's what I mean by leaning in, leaning in towards the discomfort to try and make sense of it rather than going with your instinct to escape it and go far too much. I can't be bothered. Go away. Sit down. I've had enough.
1: Yeah. I've written down, see it through their their eyes." eyes. I'm going, Oh, that, that would must, that would be hugely helpful for me. I think to, to really think about, so what are you experiencing? Where are you coming from? And I think, Um, if I can do that for small children, I'm much more likely to be patient? I think so. And also, they don't have the same cognitive kind of frameworks that we
0: have to make sense of the world. So we have many, many, many years of experience, many kind of layers to our experiences, plus a more developed thinking brain than they do. So this is going to be much more visceral and experiential and less cognitive to them. So we really need
1: to be the thinking brain. So it's like our full-time duty is to expect to be the thinking brain an awful lot more than we have been.
0: Yeah, and help them process situations as they arise. You know, they're going to be behaving in a way that's not typical, not typical for them, essentially. Um, And we need to make sure that when they do behave in those ways, that we help them make sense of why they did that, so they don't come away with a sense of shame. So some of my kids have been doing some random things, um, things that they wouldn't normally or typically do, and things that potentially... I would have had a more punitive response to, kind of, I can't believe you did that. But in this kind of situation, I've been very much more like, I understand your intention wasn't that, but the knock-on effect was this, so how are we going to put it right, using that more restorative justice approach? And I think that's, if we've got anything at the moment, we've got time to use that
1: connection to work through things. Okay, let's come back and talk more about what what a restorative approach might look like for various infractions. I <laughs> mean you mentioned also that um, uh, noticing your earlier irritation cues and cultivating patience. Talk to me a little bit more about those. So I think when we're going about our daily lives,
0: when we're not in a self-isolation experience, we are able to escape our thoughts quite readily by actions. And actually, a lot of the stuff that we might do to avoid our thinking or our thoughts or the kind of dark stuff that goes through our head has been removed from us. It very We're being confronted with it quite readily at the moment because we haven't got those distraction techniques available to us in the way that we've had before. So I think now's a really good time to be practicing things like mindfulness to make sure that we can feel when we're about to tip over and listen to those thoughts and start believing them as our truth so we can notice and do something about it before our behavior follows our thoughts. Yeah. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. And, and in terms of for, for frazzled parents who would like to cultivate a little more patience, um, obviously what you've said about trying to see th- things through the child's eyes is one strategy to to develop more patience and another one is acknowledging that you are now the thinking brain are mm-hmm. there any other things that might help develop patience well i think patience is a
0: state of mind i think to be able to be patient and to be able to allow things to unfold and tolerate any frustration that you might feel is a skill that we need to cultivate but we're better at doing that when our own cup it's fill up so we need to be starting with making sure that we're getting what we need so we can be present for another so if that's making space in your day where you've kind of structured the activities that you've got a downtime as well there's some quiet reading time so you can go and do something and i say quiet reading time tongue-in-cheek as a mum to four boys but making sure that there is space in your day where you get that time to go and rest recoup and get yourself back up again nobody can be patient all the time every day you know that's it's it's not it's not possible to do that unless you've got something that's replenishing you so making space in your day for those things to happen too it's almost like a a moral obligation for your children to be able to take care of yourself first
1: I used to think that when my kids were little you know why don't you bring me your most irritating behavior at nine o'clock when I still have resources come on bring it on I can be patient at nine in the morning 5.30 in the afternoon different story you know especially if I hadn't had a break and bedtimes you know you kind of you have this
0: ideal that we've had a lovely day till we've done all this and you know endings are really tricky for kids anyway they're going to go into the room they're going to be separating from you there's all that kind of stuff that goes on and they want a little bit more of you and you've just got no more to give and, you know, be compassionate with yourself. If you have a little fracas at bedtime, it's not going to damage them. Kids are generally resilient. But, you know, if you have to kind of tag team it with your parent, with your other parent, if you can, or just, you know, now is the time to put your kid to bed with Spotify and some headphones and an audio book. If that's what you need to do to have a
1: calm bedtime, then just do it. You know, lower the bar. <laughs> Yeah, I love lower the bar. And I think for me, I know when when I was kind of out of resources, it was you want me to stay with you? Right. No, I'll, I'll read another another page of that book and I will fall asleep on your bed. It's not ideal parenting, but, you know, you're happy. I'm happy. Well, you know, it, it, it was
0: not ideal that, you know, it's connection. You both fall into this deep vulnerable space at the same time together comforted close to each other the way that humans are supposed to be if you think way back in evolution that's that's absolutely lovely and that's exactly what kids need now they need that that primal nurturing experience that stuff that makes them feel safe on that deep level so if you could do that then do it
1: and then you know at about 9 30 or 10 mummy or daddy wake up cold, on top of a child's bed, wipe the drool from their face and struggle out to finish the day. That's like yeah. Crawl back down the stairs,
0: the half-washed dishes, knock back the rest of the wine, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and
1: it's then it's can't been, get to sleep again. Sleeping <laughs> played out all over the country. Yeah. <laughs> so, Emma, we've already kind of moved on to the second of our themes, which is, it's not normal lowered the bar and this this new normal is way out of whack. so um you were talking about lowering expectations but all about also about the fact that this community trauma will impact people in different ways depending on their experiences talk to us a bit more about that so what we're experiencing now is the world isn't in, in in a different
0: state you know there's a there's a, this fear of a virus everybody has been asked to change their behavior very very dramatically it's very shocking and it can feel very traumatic and this can I don't know about you but I've been having some very random weird dreams and it's my brain processing stuff and I've been kind of it's almost like I've had this ability to go back and like dig deep onto everything that I've ever done in my life that I'm just that little less than proud about and kind of reflect on it. And when I was thinking, why is this happening now? And actually, you know, this is a trauma response. We're we're in a state of community collective trauma. And so if we do have that dark stuff within us, as everybody does, then this is the time when the veil between the dark stuff and our everyday functioning self is going to be the thinnest. Mm -hmm. And we need to be very aware of that and be okay with that and
1: just sit, accept
0: it, and be okay. Yeah.
1: And I know, talking with Lucy Hone about this, you know, the people of Christchurch lived through the earthquakes, quake brain. Lucy had her own family trauma and loss of her daughter. And then, then last year, the mosque shootings were another collective trauma. And um, so many people in Christchurch felt they had been triggered back to the, the upset of the quakes after you know after after march 15th and so i guess depending on all the people in our bubble if they've had different traumas they're going to be coping with all those things they are and
0: i think this is totally the time and when i say lower the bar i mean lower the bar of societal expectations upon you don't mm. lower the bar in terms of your nurturing, your self-care, and facilitating good quality connections and empathy and understanding. Great that bar. bar. Needs
1: More to- of that. Bar. Yeah,
0: yeah. And less of the societal expectations on you. There are, they, you know, they've gone now. All we have is our bubble. So let's focus on our bubble. And the things that are going to keep your bubble well and healthy – And knowing what's going on for you, that might be some triggering of old stuff coming up because we're in a very different situation and the stuff we normally do to distract ourselves on a daily basis from that is gone. Connect, connect, connect as much as you can with your kids by leaning in. Try and process on their behalf and understand that they don't have the cognitive framework with which to process this experience. So you're going to have to do a lot of parenting from their intention rather than the visible behaviour. And I think that's the biggest thing that we can do is be generous in our assumptions of their intentions, because if we parent their behavior, which might be slightly out of whack because this is not their new normal, we're going to end up with a very fractious punitive experience right now.
1: I like that. I like the idea of parenting the intention. Um, and I think we are going to have, you know, we need to see things through their eyes, parent the intention and lower the bar. and then. If we think, Emma, about strategies and what are some of the things that are going to be useful? And you said up connection, um, time together. What other things would you add into the mix? So
0: I just think really hone in on those times that you can get can do stuff with your kids and you can do it well. Know yourself. You know, I can't cook with my kids; it turns into an absolute no-go show we we can't cook I'm too much of a perfectionist and the mess um I'll stop there because um otherwise <laughs> this will turn
1: <laughs> my, my mom my mum talks about when something is really really challenging and frustrating she says oh it was like trying to make scones with a child I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, not alone no. <laughs> Do stuff that you can
0: do with your kids. Just focus on the stuff that you love. And focus on some of the stuff that they love too. I know that Anna Mowit was saying around um, make space in the day to try to do something with them that they they love. You know, make, make it about them and their interests. And I think if you can do that, and you can do it well, um, and you can do it with uh, presence and authenticity, then do it because it's going to be much more meaningful. So be selective in that. You know, the second that you're bored or checking your phone or thinking, go me, I've been playing for the last half an hour and it's really only five minutes, you know, that's not going to be the benefit. The benefit is doing stuff that you can both enjoy together so you can be present and authentic
1: and genuine in that connection. Nice, nice. And I love, you mentioned Anna Moat. So Anna is from Works with Sparklers as part of the All Right campaign who have been supporting well-being in schools since the Christchurch, Christchurch earthquakes and now we're very lucky that that resource has gone nationwide. And I know when, when I spoke to Anna um, the other day she said her things were Check in with your kids and don't expect them to be coping as adults do. And I think that's very aligned with what you were saying, Emma. About expect that you're going to be the thinking brain for a while. Oh, oh definitely, absolutely. Um,
0: they're not. They don't have the capacity to process this situation as we we do. And they shouldn't have access to the information that we have anyway. They need age-appropriate information.
1: I think that's that's another huge area, this thing of, is what we're doing helping or harming? What mm. are my kids seeing? Is it working for them? Is it productive? Whatever whatever they're doing, not just um, screen time and information that they're looking at, but generally, whatever they're spending their days on. And um, Like I was sharing with you earlier, it's not just children that need to do it. We need to do it as adults as well. And I had a spectacular example last night of a strategy that really didn't work for me, which was um, someone had sent me a video, which was really nice, of One Day More from Les Miserables. And when I went to bed, I put my headphones on and put some of it on. And I listened to I Dreamed a Dream that life could be so different from this hell I'm living and, you know, and pestilence, death, disaster. And it was really not helpful. Like I have, that is not, that is off my playlist for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, you know,
0: there is there's that, is it helping or harming? And I do think a lot of people are glued to social media. So we we are social beings, we're craving connection, we're in these tiny bubbles But we've got these little devices here that are our kind of lifeline to the outside world. But how we're using this is really impacting the way that we are then moment to moment as we come off our devices with our kids. And if our kids see us glued to those devices and then our demeanour changes because we've been, um, what's the word I'm looking for, Um, we've been exposed to some kind of shocking or jarring information or something that takes us somewhere else, They're going to be looking to us as their role models and they're not going to come away from this as a belief that we're a resilient family. They're going to come away from this as a belief that it was a really shocking and scary time. We need to be really careful that actually you're right. What are we doing now? Is it helping or is it harming? Do we need to be doing that right now?
1: And so if I some of the some of the um, resources that the um, sparklers have shared, I really like there's some so that we'll we'll attach them um, on our Web page as a PDF um for people to see because i think they are lovely and some of their they have little post-it notes of things to remember useful things to remind children of and some of them we've already touched on but they include things like i can only do what i can do i think that's a good one for grown-ups too though denise (laughs) i'm with you and this time shall pass yeah trust that it will be okay and i saw something recently um I was a parent who'd gone through a very, very difficult time with, with the illness of a child. And one of the messages they were given was, this is a season. Life has seasons and they change. You know, this. we're not going to be in this forever. And I think that's important to remember. Um, but the other ones, it's okay to feel however I feel. Um, and I can focus on things that are in my control and I am resilient. And I guess I, when I saw that one, I thought, oh, yeah, what a great activity to spend time with children thinking about, let's think about some of the different times and examples of when you were resilient. Remember the time you coped when you came off your scooter? <laughs> you know, we're all going to have examples. I was just thinking, like, we Totally. We
0: came home and I've never seen so much blood come out of a small child and actually him be generally okay. It was it was horrific. And then obviously having to get back and not be two metres away from everybody. Um, do you know what he did when we came home and he stopped bleeding? Do you know what one of the first things he said to me was?
1: Where's my... <laughs> Hang on, we lost you. We lost you at this crucial juncture. What did he say? Oh, <laughs> He said he said he
0: said, Where's my first aid kit? Because they'd been given a free first aid kit at school. He wanted to use his stuff in his first aid kit and he started patching himself up like bare grills. Like he wouldn't let me do it, he was gonna do it himself. He was like that, I'm done. <laughs> that <laughs> is
1: Self-related
0: like, well cookie, you are a tough cookie. He had the cuddles and he did the problem solving. He was a tough cookie. And that's what I'm, then we could talk about that, you know, that
1: was great. Yeah. And I'm sure in every family there'll be examples of times, you know, what are the challenges they've faced? What are the things they've seen their kids cope with? And what a great conversation. Yeah, definitely. You know,
0: and the the kind of the lasting message, the the passing message through that is that things can get really, really bad, but we can survive this and we can be okay afterwards. You know, going back to that whole season thing again, this is just a moment in time. This time will pass and we will be okay.
1: And I love what makes us resilient as a family. I think that's a lovely question.
0: And I think that answer is different for everybody, isn't it? But I think that's probably a really nice thing to reflect on actually because not only is it positive and makes you think of all the good things but actually it's reinforcing so you know how to focus on them more explicitly in the future it's a really good question to ask yourself
1: and it can it could be like my nana and granddad love us and they're here or we've got a great sense of humor or we we have fun playing cards or i don't know anything you know what is it that makes you feel that you can cope and that you stick together Yeah
0: mom might lose her stuff every now and then, but we know how to make her laugh afterwards and then she can still give us a cuddle. Uh, uh, That might be something a family said, I don't know.
1: (laughs) In a parallel universe near here. And and you know, this is what I love. I'm looking at the the last of the the, the sparklers, the post-its, and they include, I don't have to fix everything and humans can heal, grow and learn yes nice They are important messages
0: they are important messages actually I don't have to fix everything there's a really important one for a parent when they're thinking about their kids we can't fix this situation for our kids we can't we're we're doing the best that we can at the moment you know we're staying in we're keeping ourselves safe we're protecting other people but we can't fix this we can just hold them and create an emotional response for them while they move through this experience. And I think that's very different, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Being with them. Yeah. And modelling that it can be done from the top down. Yeah. Nice, <laughs> nice. And so, Emma, as we if we think about um, looking forward to the fact that this is a season and this this period we're in now will end... You mentioned that you'd encourage families to think about, to explore the idea of what's the best that might happen. Tell us a bit more about that. What is the best that
0: might happen? What, What can we learn from this experience and take forward with us? What have we learned new about ourselves as a family unit or a bubble in this time? And what can we take forward with us to make our lives better? What's the best that could come out of this situation? The best that could come out of this situation is that we understand each other better. We've had more time together to have those blow ups and those reparation um, experiences. So we know that we're closer and tighter as a family going forward. It might well be that we've had time to think about, actually, I don't want to do that job anymore or I don't want to do this. This This is a pause. This is a moment in time. Let's use it to make the
1: best for the future. Yeah. And Debs Abraham, our office manager, has set herself three challenges for the lockdown. And that's to do something for love, something for work and something for self. Three They're, nice. yeah.
0: They're nice. yeah. And I think, you know, going back to what's the best that could come out of this is our community, our local community has joined forces like you've never seen them join forces before. It's been really lovely. You know, I'm now kind of, if not face-wise, virtually, because of our local community Facebook Facebook group, the generosity and kindness and the offers of help, true authentic offers of help um, and altruism, a flowing thick and fast. So we know outside our bubble there's lots of other bubbles and there's lots of love that connects them and that's a lovely feeling that would never have, I would never have felt so deeply if it hadn't been for this experience.
1: Lovely, lovely. Oh Emma, it's been great talking to you. So summing up, the things that I am taking forward are first of all looking after ourselves as the adults in the situation, leaning in but really trying to see things through our children's eyes whether they're very small or teenagers, parent the intention, not the behavior, and um, notice our own early irritation cues and try and head those off of the path, take a break, look after ourselves. And then as part of the it's not normal, this new normal, to lower expectations and to really understand that, with this community trauma, it's going to trigger and surface a whole lot of different things for different people. So it's really patient, be kind, compassionate to yourself. Yeah. So don't expect children to behave like adults, support them in what they're doing, Um, help them stay grounded and look after their well-being. And then encourage them to do what we can to think about the future. So thinking what's the best that might happen? What's the best thing we could create out of this? And that's really about hope, isn't it? It's
0: totally about hope. It's about having a future focus with optimism.
1: Yeah, that's lovely. Mm -hmm. Emma, it's been great to talk to you today. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. I will see you next time.